Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks, the podcast about family adventure in our national parks. Today, Brian will be speaking with Christopher Barr about Rock Creek Park in Washington, D.C., and Great Falls, just outside of our nation's capital. I'm here with Christopher Barr, who's an attorney here in Washington, D.C. Uh, he loves walking, nature, geology, and paleontology. Uh, he has a website, which I hope he'd talk about in a bit, called dcfossils.org, uh, that talks about the fossils found in architecture around our nation's capital. Uh, Christopher is joining us today to talk about Rock Creek Park and Great Falls National Park. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining us and taking time out and uh, speaking with us. We were just chatting before the, uh, we turned the microphones on. One of my notions about Rock Creek Park is it is a park that is not insignificant within the landscape and architecture of Washington, D.C. It's about 1,700 acres, a little north of that. That's not nothing. Uh, yet, I think some Washingtonians know it pretty well. Uh, some Washingtonians know it as a throughway, right? The, the Rock Creek Parkway, it's one way to get to work as a conveyance. But I think the average tourist, and of course, Washington, D.C. gets plenty of tourists throughout the year. The average tourist, and understandably so, they're coming down to see the National Mall, White House, the Capitol, Ford's Theater, enjoying restaurants. I don't know how many tourists, it occurs to me, knows that there is a significant national park and attended other parks uh, around in, in a uh, accessible portion of Washington, D.C. called Rock Creek Park. So just want to get your thoughts around that as a, as a Washingtonian who's been in the city uh, since the 70s. What, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I, I think it's true that Rock Creek is is uh, generally not known to tourists, um, and and they, uh, I my sense from you know having uh, walked the trails a lot and and uh, been to the facilities quite a bit is that I I don't get the sense that I'm seeing a lot of tourists. Yeah. Um, when I'm visiting. So what's your what's your relationship to Rock Creek Park? Of course, there's a golf course, there's the zoo, but what's what's your particular relationship to the park? Well, mostly uh, I do a lot of hiking. I do a lot of walking in general. Um, and actually my goal is to walk about 12 miles a day. Yeah. Um, and so that actually requires sometimes walking a lot more than 12 because you can't always do 12. Right. Uh, so if you're going to average 12, you know, if you want to get a good, um, really long hiking day, the Rock Creek is perfect. Right. Um, so describe maybe some of those hikes and how, how you fit that into I mean, it's clear we're here in your office. You work, so some of those 12 miles a day is to get to work here in downtown Washington. So, which I think not a lot of people understand that you can be on a trail system and more or less get where you need to go commuting around town. And and in, uh, from my house, which is in Mount Pleasant, to here, I I pretty much uh, take city streets. Although I will swing by the park yeah. sometimes, and maybe we can talk about it a little later in the springtime. I might check out. Um, how things are doing down in the creek. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, in general, I would say that, uh, you know, for, for walking to and from work, uh, it's, it's mostly on city streets. But going to other parts of the city, and I uh, will have meetings out in uh, Palisades, mm -hmm. out in the northwest part, um, you, you can walk out past DuPont Circle, and within, you know, less than a mile of DuPont Circle, or right, right at Woodley, uh, just, you know, outside of the downtown, step into corridors, green, green forested corridors that you know, can take you all the way uh, down to the tip of the city in uh, the western, western part near the Potomac Gorge. And it's pretty so amazing. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? We, before we started rolling, we were talking about, uh, I went to college with Danielle here in Washington, 
and in in downtown Washington. And I didn't. I'd heard of Rock Creek Park. I thought it was that that part that's in the Dupont Circle area. Maybe a little bit beyond that. I didn't realize the scope of. I, I foolishly didn't re- realize the scope of Rock Creek Park until much much later. And you were telling a story about uh, when you first came down or driving around about how you became a little curious about what's what's going on with all these woods. And do you want to do you want to pull that on uh, pull that thread a little bit? Yeah, I, I used to drive um, on on errands or driving my my kids when they were young uh, down Foxhall, and you'd pass flash by a, a patch of of trees on either mm-hmm. side, mm-hmm. and think, you know, why is that there? And in Massachusetts, there'd suddenly be trees on either side in the middle of the city, right? And and you can see that in um, Connecticut and 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 Wisconsin as well, and uh, you know that. That's how it's perceived by the average person driving around the city or even on the bus. And uh, it, it, what, what you're seeing are you know, intersections with these uh, stream valley parks, which wind around much of the northwest part of the city. And they form a sort of interconnected mm-hmm. network of trails. And if you want to take those trails, you can walk from you know, close to downtown all the way out to the edge of the city without... Uh, doing more than crossing a few streets. And how much do you know about the history of Rock Creek Park? How did this come to exist in our nation's capital? Well, you know, it's uh, interesting that uh, it was one of the first three um, national mm-hmm. parks. Mm-hmm. And the first national park was right. Yellowstone. Um, and uh, this was the third um, in 1890. And it was partly it was partly done in connection with the uh, Smithsonian Zoo, you know, the National mm-hmm. Zoo. Um, being chartered the year before, and uh, there was a, a movement to preserve the other wild land around it. wasn't actually all that wild, but um, and and so Congress passed a law making it a national park, and they didn't actually convert it uh, into you know a usable park until later in the 1890s, and they didn't add the part that's below the right. zoo from down until uh, I think 1913. But so since then, it's been this, as you say, enormous resource. I mean, that central part of it is about 1,700 acres, and the rest of it adds up with the other parts. I mean, other parts were added to it later on, these stream valleys, uh, tributary to the Potomac, for example, Glover Mm -hmm. Archibald. Mm -hmm. When those are added in, it's a total of about uh, 2,000 acres. And isn't that amazing that the third national park, uh, parks in, uh, you know, the the high Sierras of Yosemite, in Wyoming, Yellowstone, yet <laughs> the least famous of the three is the park that's actually in the most urban area in our na- and in our nation's capital. So there's, there's a little bit of irony there. But again, it's a, you know, I was describing it before as a, I can't even say it's a hidden jewel because it's right there in plain sight for, for everyone to use and see. It's, it's there and the trails are accessible and it's, there's no cost to enter it like other parks. It's just you park your car and you jump on a trail and you, there you go. You know, you you mentioned before um, that it, it it's a little deceptive, I think, for a lot of people who who do think of it as being that narrow strip of park that runs, you know, alongside the creek down at the lower mm-hmm. stretches near, say, Dupont Circle. Once you get up into the area north of uh, the National Zoo, from there up to the Maryland border, it, it's quite large. I mean, it's you know, it's I, I don't know what the exact uh, extent of it is, but it's almost a mile from mm-hmm. side to side, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually run into this same phenomenon, and uh, I help um, local uh, Cub Scout unit, you know, do do hikes and things like that. And so we have frequently take hikes in in Rock Creek, and a, a recurring theme is that the parents will say, "This is amazing. We didn't yeah. know it was here." Yeah. 
and and they and they live nearby but you know it's just a mysterious mass right and 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 i think people don't know that there are a lot of trails people don't know there are a lot of interesting things to see on the trails right. and so it there is i think a lot of public education that could be done and it it does seem not to be heavily used i mean i walk on it quite a bit in the on the weekends and uh, most of the trails that you get a certain amount of activity on saturdays um people running especially or walking dogs but you know a lot of the trails don't see a lot of action you know um any other it's time. amazing you can be in an urban environment and quickly get away from car noise quickly get away from the ambient noise of a city and you are in you're in the forest and and th- that's been my impression of rock creek park the biggest impression i have so uh, you talked about leading some hikes for some cub scouts you know our podcast one of our themes is you know for active families so what are some of those hikes that you would recommend for, uh, whether it's a young family or a family with uh, teenagers that's an active family, what are some good hikes, do you think, in terms of uh, not only uh, the ability level, but some of the things to see, flora, fauna, maybe, and as well as maybe some architectural remnants or some things that are interesting historically that are hanging around? Yeah, and, and there's a lot of that to see in Rock Creek. Um, if you start, if you pull into the capacious uh, parking lot, at, at the uh, visitor center, I'm sorry, the, the nat- nature center, uh, which is located on Glover yep. Road near military, up in the center of it. Uh, they have actually a, a very nice uh, nature center with some you know, displays of animals and the planetarium and some other uh, things like that. But it's a great place to start uh, in your, your hikes because you can go either north to the big areas up, up towards Maryland or down to the south towards the zoo and may keep it manageable for kids. And so one of the great things to look at nearby, though, is just across, um, you know, less than half a mile from the nature center is uh, one of the old Civil War mm-hmm. forts guarding the city. After, uh, in 1861, after the Battle of Bull Run, the first Battle of Bull Run, and the uh, Union Army was defeated and, and everyone realized, wait, if, if the rebels had been, you know, a little more organized, they could have just walked into the city uh, and there were no defenses and the army had collapsed. They said, well, that, that won't happen again. Um, and so they built a series of forts all around the city, which are still under national park supervision, and you can, you can go visit them. And, and one of them is just north of the nature center, and it's uh, still intact as a, as a mm-hmm. structure. You can see um, embrasures where the guns would have poked out. You can see the, a ditch in front of it that was a moat, and, and you can see uh, the walls. Yeah. It's yeah. overgrown with trees. But it's it's still very, very much a fort. And, you know, it's amazing that 150, 160 years later, you can walk up and walk the ramparts just like a Union sentry would have. Right. Um, and that particular fort actually fired its guns in anger, too. Washington was attacked in 1864 by Jubal Early's um, army. And uh, actually, it was almost... It was a very close-run thing. If the reinforcements hadn't come in from Grant in the middle of the night... Um, uh, before the battle, uh, we don't know what would have happened, but uh, there was a battle at Fort Stevens mm-hmm. just across Rock Creek, and the, the guns at, um, at Fort DeRussi, this fort uh, we're discussing, fired uh, and, and were actually active in the battle. So, you know, it's pretty exciting, I think, from a historical standpoint and from a kid's standpoint. I would imagine. Is that the same? There's a story I recall where President Lincoln came up from the White House to observe the action and someone took a pot shot at him, and he was told to take cover or something along those lines. Do you know that story? That, well, and that was uh, just across the, uh, across the valley over at uh, 
Fort mm -hmm. Stevens, which was uh, guarding the other side of Rock Creek uh, Valley, and also Georgia Avenue, which is how, the, in fact, the Rebel Army was yeah. coming in. They were marching down Georgia Avenue towards the city. And, and they, uh, you know, <coughs> actually the, the president went out and wanted to see what was happening, and he was there during the battle. It was, I believe, the only time that an yeah. American president's yeah. been in battle. Um, and someone standing nearby him was, was shot. Um, and uh, there's an apocryphal story, which is, I think, generally regarded as apocryphal, but um, the later Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes of the Supreme Court was a, uh, an army officer and uh, supposedly shouted, get down, you right. fool. Right. Um, and somebody guided them away from the parapet. But um, yeah, so it was a it was a pretty historically significant place. So you have you have the you have trails. You have the historical aspects dating back to the Civil War. How does one plan these hikes out? Because there is a visitor center. There is a bit of the standard national park brochure they give, but it's not exactly a detailed trail map. So rather than just happenstance, and sometimes you, know, you see the trailheads off the side of maybe of Connecticut Avenue or one of the offshoots of Connecticut Avenue, the cross streets of Connecticut Avenue, how does one go about actually planning a hike? This doesn't seem to be as straightforward as one would think. That's right. And, and one of the, you know, I appreciate the free map they hand out there, but it, it doesn't show all the trails. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you, if you try to rely on, on it, you know, you can take a few wrong turns. I mean, fortunately, you aren't going to get lost too badly. Right. Um, in the middle of the city, but uh, you know, for planning purposes, well, there are two things. One is you can talk to the rangers, who are always, you know, if you get there in, in uh, working hours there, the rangers are always very happy to point out a, a right. good place to, to hike. Um, but they also, they also sell there, and, and you do have to buy it, but it's not very expensive. It's like uh, $9.95, um, a, a map called Map N. And it's actually uh, put out not by the Park Service, but by the Potomac Appalachian Trail mm -hmm. Conference. Mm -hmm. The PATC, uh, which actually is responsible for, under park supervision, maintaining all of the trails in Rock Creek. When you see, as you walk through, that there are um, uh, timbers in the side of the trail, those were put there by volunteers from the Potomac Appalachian Trail Club. And they have regular uh, crews going out and, and fixing them up on their own time. Um, and it's, it's kind of a wonderful public-private um, partnership. And the PATC puts out detailed maps showing uh, the trails, contours, so you can see what the lay of the land is and how high or low you're going to be going, uh, for each of the trail systems that they maintain. And for Rock Creek, that map is called Map N. And it's actually, I mean, if you look at the, uh, at the contours, it'll tell you, for example, that down on the creek level, if you walk from the creek level up to Fort uh, DeRussi or the, uh, the Nature Center, you're actually climbing probably about 270 mm. feet. Mm. Um, and you don't get that from the, the free no, handout you don't. map. Um, for a big shock, right? Yeah, and so, you know, and you can do some, I think, some really, some good, you know, uh, cardiovascular uh, up and down hiking in the, in, the, in the park, too. People think of Washington as being a flat city, right? In a built in a swamp, that's kind of a myth, but that persists, right? right? And the downtown is not very rocky, but um, Rock Creek is up and down. You're in the Piedmont, and, and you can go... Um, Quite a bit of of, of vertical uh, vertical and and uh, and uh, descending you know um, effort and so it's it's actually a wonderful tool because uh, you can look and tell where you are based on the contours of the map tell where not to take the apparent path mm -hmm. to your left mm -hmm. and so and you can it also has marked on it the number of the key features that you might be looking for like pulpit rock which 
is another natural feature that you can walk to from there, about a, maybe a mile and a quarter, a mile and a half. Um, you can find it with Map N. You will hard pressed to find it if you don't have that. Right. So I, I'm a I'm a big booster of people picking up Map so N. So Map N is a Nancy is is a great way to plan and. You touched us on a little bit. I think there's some truth in advertising with the name of the park. Certainly there are rocks in Rock Creek Park. There's certainly the creek, right, which is a tributary uh, of the Potomac. But how, how would you describe the, the flora of the park, the topography, just to give, paint a picture for someone who's thinking about coming to Rock Creek Park? What, what, what should they expect to see when they're on a typical trail? And then, Chris, we'd love to hear some of your favorite trails as well, some of the things that you would recommend. Sure. Well, you know, most of what you see in Rock Creek is a, you know, mature hard hardwood forest, and there are a lot. Of um, and and you'll walk uh, typically if you walk particularly in the upland areas above the creek, you'll see hundreds of them. See a lot of beech trees. See some holly trees, mm -hmm. very distinctive because they always have the, the sort of um, thorny uh, green green leaves. Um, you, you'll also see, down in the as you get down in the sort of Finger valleys feeding into the park, um, pawpaw trees, mm. which are a little harder to, to tell right off the bat, except by their leaves, which I always describe as being like basset hound ears. They kind of they sort of are long and oblong, and they kind of get fat and then come to an end, and they turn bright yellow in the in the fall. And they're they're a great plant actually because they're the northernmost species of a, a family of uh, of tropical plants or semi-tropical really? plants, and they're fruit-bearing. They have uh, a banana-like fruit, um, the pawpaw fruit. Uh, you can actually buy it in some stores. I mean, at, at the jelly, but um, it's it's actually something which I haven't seen come to fruit in Rock Creek itself. But further out the Potomac, I've seen them. They look like little bananas, and actually, uh, I know some people who've tried them, and they're they taste like custard. Really? Um, yeah, they're quite edible and. Actually, in the Appalachians, uh, the you know the people living there would sometimes rely on on pawpaws during lean years, and the Native Americans would encourage them to grow. And they weren't uh, making them into orchards, but they would encourage them. So, I mean, you can see those there, and you think, man, this is a subtropical banana tree growing here in the middle of our nation's capital. In the mid-Atlantic, that's fan that's fantastic. So, what are some of your favorite hikes that you would that you would recommend, either for for families or if you want a little bit more of an uh, an adventure solo? What what are some of your favorites? Well, you know, I, I, if I want to do a really long hike, I, I live down by the zoo, and I'll set out, you know, from basically the zoo, Harvard Street entrance, and and hit the uh, southern tip of of the Western Ridge Trail. Mm -hmm. That's the trail that's on the western side of the of the creek, and you you hike along up on the top of the the ridge. I mean, that Western Ridge kind of describes that you're on the top of the bluff by the creek, and <coughs> you can go all the way. You know, about six miles up to the Boundary Bridge, mm -hmm. they have a series of bridges across the the park uh, across Rock Creek, which generally have names that have some symbolism. So, Boundary Bridge, bridge. They have the Rapids Bridge further down, which is, of course, in the middle of some dramatic rapids. Truth in advertising. That's the Boulder Bridge, yeah. which is made out of Boulder. Anyway, they so you have the. Uh, Boundary Bridge, and you come back on the Valley Trail, and it's a very different environment. And in the springtime, especially, you know, it's covered with wildflowers mm -hmm. uh, early spring. Uh, and and actually, there's a lot of amphibian activity um, in in March uh, because it's a uh, a sort of uh, wetlands area. And that as you come south from from the Boundary Bridge, 
And, and so that's a, a great change of pace. You're kind of walking past a, a marsh with all that that represents right. in terms of biodiversity. And then you, you uh, move back up onto the hillside and uh, eventually um, you, know, you can loop, loop back around. But that's a, of course, that's a little bit long. You know? Most people don't want to necessarily do a 12-mile hike. But you can do a lot. You know, the great thing about Rock Creek is you can always tailor a, yeah. a, a hike because you, know, there are essentially two trails that parallel each other, the whole stem of the main, main creek. And then there is uh, numerous trails that cut between them. It's like the, the rungs of a ladder. So you can always go up, up one side and then decide you want to head back and take another, another route, uh, hang a right, go down to the valley trail and come back. We, you know, and, and so it's a, it's a wonderful um, opportunity to sort of make your own hikes up. And well, some other things to see, Pulpit Rock is a, down towards Pierce Mill. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, so it's about a mile and a half from the Nature Center as a, uh, a rock formation where if you come into it from the uphill side, it, it has a 15-foot drop-off, and you're up in a sort of a, it looks like a pulpit. I mean, uh, right. though I have to say, I have to explain that term to a lot of people these days. <laughs> okay. the, in, the, in the 1800s, when they named it, it was readily... Everyone uh, knew, yeah. Everyone knew what it yeah. was uh, referencing, but, um, but you, you stand there, and, and you've got this, this sort of you know, drop-off on all sides, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Now, another thing, right, again, fairly close to the uh, Nature Center, is if you, if you walk past the horse stables, mm -hmm. which is going south a little bit, and then behind uh, the horse stables is, is a, um, the maintenance yard. And there are signs saying maintenance yard. And of course, you can't go into that. But you can follow along it, along a bridle path, to the back. And behind the maintenance yard is, uh, is a, a place it's not fenced, and you can walk walk into it. Um, it uh, I refer to it as the architectural remnants yard, which uh, are bits and pieces of uh, monumental uh, stone, which which have uh, capitals of columns, column segments, uh, cornices, done up in a sort of neoclassical mm -hmm. style. And I understand that most of it is from the uh, 1959 repairs to the Capitol building, and they took down a lot of what had been there and replaced it. But they never throw anything away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's there marshaled in piles. And, and when you walk up to it, particularly in the summertime, when it's covered with you know, plants and creepers and things, mm -hmm. and it, it, it's a little, little bit like walking up to some ancient city ruins. Yeah, the lost you know? civilization, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. the lost city of, of, of Rock Creek. <laughs> and, and, and kids actually love that. Yeah. You know? and, uh, and so that's a fun place to visit. Um, now we actually one of the I mean one of the other other places I like to walk is down along uh, if you if you walk uh, towards the Boulder Bridge mm -hmm. I mentioned that before and yep. it shows up on the map and just on the far side of the Boulder Bridge you can take a right uh, from from the at that point you're on Beach Drive and uh, there's a little path which is an official path it shows up on the on the map <coughs> climbing up a sort of hogback ridge up back up to the uh, Western Ridge Trail. And that, uh, that's a wonderful hike because you're walking up a, a sort of this bridge and it falls back, falls away on either side. And, and there is uh, a lot of beech trees growing there. And actually, in it, you know, one of the, you can have a, a learning process just from visiting the park and observing things because I was hiking there once with actually some of the scouts mm -hmm. and we noticed that a bunch of the beech trees had a sort of black fuzz on uh -oh. it. And in fact, it looked, really bad. I mean, it looked like there was some sort of, 
serious disease on a lot of these trees. And so we observed that and took some pictures and went back and checked with the rangers. And they said, well, you know, that was actually nothing to worry about uh, because it was, it was caused by a sort of aphid-like insect, which had been passing through the last couple of years. And they would suck juice out of the bark and then leave some of it staining the outside of the, the bark. And then a, a separate, you know, fungus-like growth would come and feed off of that and form these dangerous-looking black furry, you know, uh, appearance uh, carpets. Right. And, but it was not hurting the trees. Oh, good. Yeah, good. no, the trees were fine. They said they're they not going to be suffering. But again, you know, you, you wouldn't see that if you didn't take a hike in the woods. If you didn't take a chance. Well, uh, you know, with the remaining time, we also wanted to spend some attention um, to another park outside of Washington, D.C. called Great Falls National Park. Um, again, this is a park that, it's a national park. I don't know how many visitors to Washington, D.C. know that this exists. It's not even a day's drive. It's pretty close to Washington, D.C. Um, President Obama and his family have hiked Great Falls on on certain occasions for the 100th anniversary of the National Park System. I think they went out there, uh, or for other anniversaries of the National Park System. Uh, so you have some, Chris, some familiarity with uh, Great Falls as well. So can you describe Great Falls National Park and, and some of your relationships with that park? Yeah, that is a, a wonderful resource, too. And it, it is very close. It's really just a few miles north of the um, Beltway, and, and you can get there pretty easily. And you have to, I have to say, you must drive. Yeah. <laughs> it's not one of those, you can go to the, go to the metro and walk an extra mile. Uh, you have to drive up. And uh, it's really from downtown if, on a Saturday, if you were leaving from the White House, say you were the Obamas driving right. out there, uh, it's probably no more than about, you know, uh, 40 minutes. Right. And, and so uh, it, you know, the, it's there because the CNO Canal was built in the 1820s. It, the original idea was to have a canal going out the, um, the, the uh, from the Chesapeake via the Potomac River out out to the Ohio River, that was the original plan, and it was foiled due to a few <laughs> historical developments. Right. One of them being that uh, it it actually required that they tunnel two miles through a mountain out out near Pittsburgh, and they discovered when they did their first tunnel out in Pawpaw that they didn't have the technology for that. Uh, they also found out that uh, the uh, railroad right. had been invented. <laughs> exactly. So nonetheless, they built it out to Cumberland. And they uh, and 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 so it's 185 miles uh, from Georgetown to Cumberland, Maryland, and it's all a national yep. park. Yep. And at at Great Falls, uh, they encountered you know the the uh, Great Falls of the of the Potomac. There are actually other Great Falls are in other states. You know, there's the Great Falls of the Passaic River in New Jersey. It ha happens whenever you the river hits the the, the fall line. Right. And so. The fall line occurs occurs there, and it, the river drops substantially, and it's a very dramatic, you know, waterfall. And, and a lot of people, uh, I think, would enjoy seeing it. It's you know, particularly if the water is high. It's not Niagara Falls, but it's it's worth seeing, right? And uh, at that point in the in the canal progress, they built a tavern, which is still there. Mm -hmm. It's now the the park headquarters on the Maryland side. And and so that's that's the sort of center point for explorations. You can go up and down the CNO Canal, but there are also hikes to the side. And one of my favorite um, hikes uh, to the side there starts at the tavern, and and they have a map for that too. I, I, there's a, a map D that the PATC puts out. D is and and Dan that uh, has a, the gold mine hike. And if you if you start at the tavern, you walk up a hill 
there's a little floodplain right you know by the um, by the Great Falls. Actually, this area does get flooded periodically, um, uh, and they have they show you in some of the mm. you know levels it's been at in the past. But you so you walk up out of the floodplain and you uh, immediately the first thing you run to is that you're on some sort of raised kind of artificial structure like a dike or something. And you know it's always fun to ask if I, I take you know scout hikes out there ask people what they think it was. And uh, somebody will eventually guess what it was, which is it was a railroad track, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the rails are long gone. It was actually a trolley track, and used to be able to take the trolley from downtown D.C. all the way to Great Falls. Oh, no kidding. For a, for a, for a day trip. And it ends with a circle. You can see, in fact, there's, you know, they, it was a single track. Like a turntable? So they, yeah, so they just, well, they'd, they'd, they'd come in, and they'd loop around, and then they'd head back out again. Oh, I see. I see. And that's all still yeah, there. And, and so, uh, you know, so you're on the trolley tracks, and, and that... That was in, in business like from about 1913 to about 1921. And people used to take day trips out and picnic and whatnot. And actually, at that point, the canal was still in operation. But so that's the first thing you encounter. But then you, you hike along the trail, and eventually, another uh, uh, about a mile from there, you actually hit a gold mine. Now, people, again, aren't very familiar with the fact that um, there's a gold belt in the east running from North Carolina to New York. and it, it cuts through uh, the Washington area about Great Falls. And some soldiers in the Civil War who were from California looked at the, at the rock, the quartz, and said, you know, this looks like it has something to do looks with gold. Looks like home, right, yeah. yeah. And they actually bought some land with that in mind after the war. <laughs> and uh, that started something of a, I wouldn't call it a gold rush, but uh, interest. And there were actually ultimately about at least 21 gold mines in Montgomery County. Um, and the biggest one, most of them didn't actually get anything or much, but uh, this one mine, which is on the park property there, pulled out about 5,000 ounces of gold wow. over its lifetime. And it has shafts going hundreds of feet down and across. I mean, it's a real mine operation. And they had, a, they had a big water tanks, and they dug you know, ditches, and they had an amalgamation unit and an assay office. And it was a whole, you know, there are pictures of people that looks like a Western mine. Mm -hmm. Out again, just outside the Beltway, um, and and so you can go visit that. And actually, it's fun taking kids there because they will always scour around looking to see if anyone, you know, for <laughs> missed some of the gold. The pocket. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, dumb uh, question: is it, is it so? Is it is it totally spent? If <coughs> these mines are they? Actually, there is gold down there. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, you know, it's all a question with gold of how much do you want to mine and refine, right. right? What's the percentage? Right. And, and uh, I mean, it was in, a, in operation as recently, I think, as the late 1930s. And, and uh, you know, it actually, I, I, not to digress too much, but I, I was doing some research on, on uh, some other issue at the library and ran into an article from 1950 in which, uh, this is after the end of the mining and before the park came into being, uh, there was a promoter who was trying to set up a housing development over the top of it. And the main feature was that they would houses would have access to the tunnel complex uh, as as nuclear fallout oh, shelters. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and they had, would have the best deep down, a hundred feet down. Yeah, um, they'd be alive. Right. Uh, and and so well anyway, but yeah, so that that's all still there, and they could restart it at some point, but it seems unlikely since it's parkland. Right. Um, but it's an interesting part of the history. There's actually a, goal, a ghost story, too. There was uh, someone killed in an accident in 1906, 
and you know, I'm, I'm not a, a big ghost person, but I, I would note that there was a persistent uh, belief in the area that uh, people were hearing uh, knocks and, yeah. and noises and, and, and other un- things they found inexplicable except in the context of a ghost. Well, have you told the, have you told the scouts? Cause they yes, may they, they very much enjoy yeah. They wanted to know if anyone else died. Right. I mean, the answer was yes, actually. <laughs> there was only one, right. one ghost. Uh, then they wanted to know which exact spot. Of course, couldn't couldn't identify Boys. that. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> uh, but uh, actually, the last time we were out there, though, they they had that that side of, of their nature kind of taken care of because we we actually uh, somebody observed there were some large birds nearby mm-hmm. the trail, and it turned out there were a number of large birds. And when you see large birds, really large birds near the trail, they're usually carrying turkey vultures, yeah. and there was a dead deer, yeah. um, a very recently dead deer. So that was a big hit too. Um, Boys, fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, we've uh, you know you you never know what you're going to find. Actually, the other thing that you find there that I the other natural feature that I have to mention is that near right near the trail, you run into some funny uh, mounds about about three feet high and about four feet around, and they're actually structures created by the Allegheny Mound Builder ant. Uh, you know, you think of ants building building you know little 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 structures right, right? in in africa they they make enormous structures sometimes if you've seen pictures of some yeah. of these gigantic things right but we don't have anything like that but the allegheny mound builder amp does produce uh these like you know pretty impressive structures for an ant you know about three feet high and four feet around and these are mostly abandoned it looks like right now but uh they're kind of an unusual feature as well now that's fascinating well, that, that's, you know, uh, Great Falls, again, is part of Rock Creek, Great Falls. Someone's visiting Washington, D.C., and they're spent by being on the museum circuit. Uh, what a great break for a day or two is to go out in the woods. And also, I think even most tourists come in the summer, blazing hot in Washington, D.C., especially in the direct sun. I've always found, not that it's an air-conditioned room, but if you're at Rock Creek or Great Falls, the temperature does drop. You're in the shade. It is a cooler place to kind of catch your breath and get a break from being in the direct sun walking up and down the mall. So uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a great resource, and, and Chris, I agree with you, somewhat bizarrely underutilized in, in, in some ways, but it's out there for everyone to, for everyone to use. Uh, I, I would be another resource, and this is a resource, it sounds like, that, um, that you have mined yourself. So can you talk a little bit about your website, DC Fossils, and, and what, what, is DC Fo- what is that about? Well, uh, Fossils in the Architecture of Washington, D.C., a guide to the Washington's Accidental Museum of Paleontology, which is kind of a mouthful, <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, the premise is that uh, Washington has uh, buildings um, and, and fr- with stone from all around the world and all around the U.S., and there are dozens of, of different types of stone used in, in, in Washington's, you know, not just buildings, but sometimes pavement or, or retaining walls, which have fossils. It's uh, not something that, in general, uh, or almost always, the architects weren't trying to, to incorporate. They didn't, I mean, their architects in general are familiar with the fact that uh, building stone has fossils mm-hmm. in it, particularly limestone. In general, they're not actually too interested in, or you know, uh, informed about the geologic age or what type of fossils they are. And but I, I think that's an interesting point, though, because when you look into it, you find that there's a, a stunning kind of 
series of windows into ancient, um, ancient, ancient periods of life, you know, stretching back about half a billion years um, in different buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, in front of the uh, Lincoln Memorial, there are some cobbles, and this is a very modest type of unimpressive-looking kind of fossil, but um, there are little, uh, in the, in the, if you know where to look, and I'm going to be putting an update to my website that points out exactly where to find them, you can see these little uh, pipe stem-like um, structures in these cobbles, and they're the burrows formed by some type of animal, probably a crustacean, we don't really know, in a beach. Uh, 570 million years ago, uh, when North America's shore was in Western Maryland, and you know uh, that that would have been if you were to be transported back in time to that shore, you might conclude you're on a different planet actually, mm -hmm. because the sun would have looked different. The sun actually would have would have been um, uh, dimmer. Um, the you would have had trouble breathing yeah. because there was less oxygen. Right. Uh, there were no plants on shore. It was just rocks, sand, um, and and maybe a few lichens. That's it. Um, and at sea, the only animals were you know early, very early uh, types of um, invertebrates. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'd be justified in thinking that maybe you weren't on the earth anymore. Right. These and so these these animals lived in this in this shore and. They died, and, and their burrows were preserved uh, and became part of the sandstone, which was later tumbled, uh, kind of it was buried deep in the earth, raised up again during the Appalachian mountain building, and a predecessor of the, of the Potomac River tumbled it down into the Washington area. They were fished out when they did some repairs to the, Washington, uh, to the Lincoln Memorial and put into the ground there. And you can see them. So 570 million years ago, and now in front of the Great Emancipator. So, and, right. and I think that's why Washington's pretty singular for this, because it's a city, goes without saying, obviously covered in monuments. Most of these monuments, you mentioned limestone or some stone of some part, and if you just know where to look, or if you just have your eyes open, you can brush right by a imprint of a fossil from several hundred million years ago. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting to think about, and, and this is all covered in your website. And, and there are places all around town, right? I mean, people, the National Gallery of Art, for example, they're uh, pretty large. Once you know what you're looking for, pretty obvious, you know, uh, <coughs> squid-like squid shells mm -hmm. um, on the floor, and people walk over them and thousands and millions and don't notice them. So I try to bring people's attention to it. Do you think you've exhausted the, the fossils in Washington, or you think you're just scratching the surface? I mean, how, 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 prevalent, how prevalent is this? Actually doing an update, I mean, there, there are about, I guess, 36 different sites noted in my website, although I would say that one of the types that's actually found all over the city, in, in, you know, is the Indiana limestone, mm -hmm. which is very common building material and is always made of, it's, all, it's just a mass of fossils. It's only a question of, in some cases, they're more obvious than others. But, so that's all over the city. There's hundreds of buildings. But uh, putting that aside, there's still about like 36 different types, uh, different, um, types of, of fossil-bearing stone discussed in the website. I'm about to do a, an expansion uh, to add another 17 or so. Oh, wow. And, and some of them are brand new. Some of them 
like for example, at the uh, the MLK memorial was just built mm -hmm. right a couple years ago, and actually went down and checked it out, <coughs> and concluded there were no fossils, and then I got a note from the Park Service um, saying, "Hey, buddy, look at the floor of the gift shop," <laughs> and I said, "Gift shop," and I went down, and sure enough, the floor of the gift shop had these sort of large, you know, very very clear, you know, fossils. Oh wow! And, uh, National Park Service is on the case as well. Then they 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 are well. <laughs> they have their own publication about fossils, right. you know, that you can see. It's it's kind of limited, um, and it, their focus is just on their property, right. right? But so one of the interesting things is that, well, first, actually, sometimes you lose buildings. You know, they actually do tear them down. So there, there are a couple of deaccessions um, and that have occurred since I first came up mm -hmm. with the site. But actually, they build new buildings, and, and, you know, they keep bringing in more fossils. Right. I mean, it's quite amazing. Um, that's one example, but there have been other buildings downtown um, where they've put in, you know, uh, where they've re freshened up the, the outside of the building, and you walk by and you realize, wait a minute, <laughs> that's a snail shell. There's one, yeah. <coughs> and, and so I, 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 I try to keep up to that. I, and it's easy for me because I'm always walking around the city, right? right? I mean, and whenever there's a new building, I'll check it out. Right. Um, and, and, and sometimes it's a pleasant surprise. I, uh, over by the MLK Library, a new uh, there used to be a church there at Tenth and um, and uh, G Street, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and they uh, it was a uh, brick structure with a little limestone trim. They tore that down and they did something which is now increasingly common, right, in downtown churches. They built a a new built office building, and then the church kept part of it for its services, mm -hmm. so they were able to keep a space, but then use the the footprint of the church for a. A, you know, multi-purpose purposes, and I checked it out, and I thought, well, okay, glass, metal, brick. Oh well. <coughs> and then, you know, a couple months later, I was walking by the entrance and realized, wait a minute, <laughs> the flagstones that extend out from the foyer have fossils in them. There you go. And sure enough, it was covered with crinoids, which are like sea lilies. And in fact, they had some very nice ones. So you never know. So dcfossils.org is the website, and it's going to be updated right. soon. Chris also wanted to ask you about spring spawning runs at Rock Creek Park. What, what exactly is that? And what what could we see there? Well, it's pretty amazing, um, and you know, Rock Creek is uh, not a very high quality waterway. At various places, that for example, will tell you you're allowed to fish here. Don't use a net, but don't eat more than one. <laughs> ominous, right? right? It is sort of ominous, right? And they also don't go in, or you know, or it's it's dangerous, right? So that's ominous too, and and now they, so it looks like a sort of degraded waterway, right? And it's uh, various ways uh, runoff from upstream. They filled in the river, uh, the uh, tributaries, but nonetheless, and despite all that, it's still uh, this. It's still a site that spawning fish refer, return to from the uh, from the ocean, from the Atlantic, um, and you can see that in in the springtime, starting in March and going into about. April, early May, there will be spawning runs in which uh, sometimes thousands of, of fish, typically herring, I mean, occasionally shad, um, uh, will come up uh, from, again, they'll start out, they live out in the uh, outer continental shelf on the Atlantic Ocean. But, you know, in the springtime, they'll come back in, in huge masses to where they, where they were born, right? Like, like spawning salmon, right? And, and they'll come up into Rock Creek, and they'll go up as far as they can. And they recently, um, uh, historically, they went up into Montgomery County, 
And they've recently <clears throat> put in a fish ladder to allow that to happen. But you don't have to go up that far. You can usually see them, say, in the low bridges that are below um, the zoo. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, to, it's impossible to predict, right? But right. Um, uh, so sometimes in the springtime, I'll just go through a couple weeks every other day and just have a look. Now, there are some also some telltales because the other, the other telltale is if you see a bunch of uh, night, black crowned night herons hanging out, yeah. Probably there's a spawning run going on. The they, dinner bell is rung, right? Yeah, they're ready. If you see them, it is, it is quite spectacular, though, because if you, you know, can see, if you notice that they're there, then you have a good look at it. You can see under, under the water these you know, hundreds and, and even thousands of fish, sometimes large fish. I mean, mm -hmm. you're in Rock Creek, right? You don't think of it as having much more than minnows. But there are fish that are, you know, uh, sometimes a foot long, <laughs> And there's there's hundreds of them, um, and they're all patiently kind of uh, kind of moving through the water, moving upstream, trying to get back to where they they were spawned wow. themselves. And so, where can we where can we see those in the spring? One uh, there, uh, there's a bridge down by the uh, the horse stables mm -hmm. below the uh, Duke Ellington Bridge. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a good place. Um, and just upstream from that, the bridge that's uh, just before the tunnel. If you're going from the downtown. Up, up to the zoo, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, and you, you know you go through a tunnel. <coughs> there's a there's a bridge right there, and I've I've looked there. Also, the in the zoo itself, and the, the near the uh, Amazon Amazonian mm -hmm. exhibit. If you step out of the zoo at, at the Amazonian exhibit, there's a bridge crossing over to the bike path. That's a good place too. So all eminently available and approachable. Th these aren't these aren't arduous walks in in. In the woods, these are pretty much right off of main conveyances, main thoroughfares, or right off the zoo. From the subway. Not that far from the subway. That's right. So, and so it's, I, like I said, I'll, I'll swing by there on my way down to work just to see what's happening. But it is, to me, it's quite an amazing thing um, to see, you know, again, you're in the middle of the rush hour, and there's hundreds of cars streaming by, and there are planes overhead, and <clears throat> you've got buildings on either side, and here you have a spawning run with these thousands of fish that have made their way up from somewhere off in the Atlantic. Yeah, basically another rush hour happening. But <laughs> and happening right no there. one's actually aware of it, except maybe the night, the black crown night herons. The night herons, and hopefully the folks listening to our podcast that then be able to participate. Well, Chris, thank you very much for all your time. This has been this has been very productive, and I think I've learned a lot. I can't wait to get out there and hit some of these hikes myself. So this is, uh, this is fantastic. Again, Rock Creek Park, Great Falls National Park, Christopher Barr, dcfossils.org. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you. You bet. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. As always, please subscribe, like us on iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, wherever you listen to this podcast. Thanks so much.